0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast This is episode number 342 My name is Adam Patterson With me today we got Kevin Rakeshaw Hey Kevin Hey This week we're going to be talking about two movies Including Paradise Hills and Dolomite Is My Name Those are the main reviews We'll also be talking, talking about someone watching on the watch list And going over this week's new releases in theaters VOD and Blu-ray Thank you so much for joining us Remember to consider reviewing us on iTunes if you get a chance. That would be incredible. A couple housekeeping bits to go over. We got four podcasts dropping this week. Four. So the first part of the Halloween episode came out on Monday. So that's already out. It's on this feed. So you can give that a listen. If you haven't yet, we talk about 90s Japanese horror movies. Very fun. And... Then this episode will be dropping on Wednesday. And then Thursday we have the second part of the Halloween episode, which will be on Say by the 90s feed. So if you're not subscribed to Say by the 90s, maybe, maybe give it a consideration. And we also have a brand new Brian Watches movie for Halloween that's coming out on Thursday as well. We have Watch a Horror movie a modern horror movie, like a brand new horror movie almost. Yeah. So we'll see if he likes that. And that's we it. Learned,
1: we learned something. Yeah. We learned, we learned something about our friend Ryan.
0: We, yeah, we did. We do. We're always learning from about Ryan, but this, this, this week we definitely learned something interesting. Um We, I also have a new video review up on our YouTube channel, which you can access from the website or film pulse vids is the name. The, so I took a look at phantasmagoria to a puzzle of flesh, which was a sequel to a game uh, phantasmagoria, which was a game that I really loved when I was younger. It's a point and click adventure game came out in 1995 and I decided I never played the sequel so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I picked it up on Steam on that was on sale for like just a couple dollars like several years ago. So I I bought it then, but I just never played it until now. And I decided to make a video about it. It's so that's that was fun. That game is pretty ridiculous. So you should definitely consider giving that a look on our YouTube channel. With that, I think we can jump into our first review. Maybe we should do Paradise Hills first, and then, and and then end it on Dolomite. Paradise Hills is directed by Alice Waddington. I have a synopsis here. Uma is a teen girl who wakes up in an apparently idyllic school for young ladies to reform rebel girls. Great cast in this. It's got Emma Roberts, Danielle McDonald, Aquafina, uh, Mila Jovovich.
1: And uh, it was He's uh, like Gonzalez. Yes, that's the other one.
0: That's who I was forgetting. Apologies. Uh, so, Kevin, you have a review for this up on the site right now. So, I'll I'll start this off. The first thing I'll say about Paradise Hills is the the, the first thing that grabs you with this mo- movie right off the bat is the visuals. Now, Alice Waddington directed the short film. She directed a short film a couple of years ago called Disco Inferno. It was this really great black and white short that, but I think both of us, I think it's safe to say that both of us really loved the, the visual style of that short.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
0: this movie, it's, it's very different. I mean, Disco Inferno was this kind of black and white, very old school looking picture and this is sort of sort of the polar opposite in a lot of ways it's super bright colorful uh these really intricate sets and costumes and the way that the the hair and makeup is done in this it's all very ornate and just sort of dripping with color there's lots of flowers everywhere i'm sure that you were really pleased pleased to see the uh intricate gardens on display here. Oh
1: man. Great, great gardens. I mean, great flower movie.
0: No doubt. So it takes place in this kind of dystopian future. And Emma Roberts is, is the lead. She wakes up in this mm, sort of weird home for girls that they're trying to deprogram them. And it all seems fine at first, but as these things usually go, there's there's some darkness, there's some darkness lying under the surface, and mm-hmm. although I really loved the the visuals and I really loved the cast in this, uh, I was left a little bit disappointed overall, just because uh, I don't think there was much here as far as the narrative. I just didn't feel like there was anything new or unique going on. It felt like a young adult novel adaptation me like it just felt like Mm -hmm. a very cookie cutter YA movie and at the end of the day I just was not really invested in this in this story and I I had some other problems with it but let's get your initial thoughts Kevin what did you think of Paradise Hills
1: I'm pretty much you know step step and step with you I mean you're right the first thing that grabs you is it just it looks fantastic I mean I was completely struck by just the, the world building here, you know, the location, the way that it's, you know, the set decorations, the sets themselves, the costuming, you know, everything. It's just, it's phenomenal. Right. And it's just, it's unfortunate because like you, the narrative for me and, and the script is, it's kind of, it's kind of rudimentary where it's just kind of surface level. Right. And it just, it feels like there's this huge, disconnected in the amount of, like, attention to detail that went into creating this world. And, you know, just everything about it, the decorating of it, the the gardens, you know, it's like every little thing, right? Seems perfectly placed and thought out. And then the narrative is just kind of like, eh, it's just, it's kind of this basic thing and we just kind of go through it. And then there does seem to be like they try this twist at the end, right? which seems like there's this long buildup to this, you know, inevitable twist, but then the twist comes, and it feels like they just, like, rush through it. Just to be like, okay, let's just get this over with. It's just, it, it, You know, I, I felt like we could have had more, more development in that narrative, and I think this would have worked out a lot better because the way it stands now for me is that you have these two – you know, it's at odds with itself is like a lot of the filmmaking aspects of it, I think are phenomenal. And then like the narrative part of it, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. I
0: I thought that everything felt rushed to me. The, the, the character development, the, just how she wakes up on this Island and then you're just sort of thrown in and they very quickly introduce these characters and all of a sudden it seems like they're all like Sisters and everything just seems to happen so fast in this movie that I felt like they didn't devote enough time to letting us get to know these characters and see their friendship develop over time, and mm-hmm. may, maybe even show more of the the day to day inner workings of how this facility functions. And yeah, the. I also found the editing to be a little bit sporadic as well. There were certain cuts that were made that felt off to me, like characters in different positions and just, it didn't seem very consistent. And overall I was just left feeling like we needed a little bit more detail in regards to the characters and this very specific time and place, which like you said, is there's a great amount of world building happening here, but I just felt like everything was so kinetic. It was just like, I I needed some time to, uh, unpack the characters and, and the place.
1: Yeah, I think it, it definitely could have used, uh, more development definitely like a little bit more uh, complexity in the script because the script is really like even a lot of the dialogue yeah it's just uh, really basic yeah and then you have this this twist that comes out which you know it's a twist it gets you but there's even less development there Like, I mean, it's pretty much, it's, it's gone as fast as it's introduced. And then there's just alliances made that make no sense. And I don't understand what's motivating these people that I've just introduced to. And then the next thing you know, it's over.
0: You're probably not going to believe me, but I called the twist like at the very, very beginning. I was like, Oh, this is, this is going to be, I was a little bit off. I thought it was going to be one thing, and it was sort of that, but not
1: quite. Yeah, because I mean, the the twist that that you have introduces this whole new element to it, right? Which it's kind of difficult because you don't want to. I don't want to spoil it, but it, it it introduces a whole new element that wasn't really there in the beginning, right? Which mm-hmm. makes it it makes it more complicated and you know, it makes it far more interesting, but again, there's really no exploration of that at all. It's just, it seems like it's just kind of added because why not? Let's do it.
0: Yeah. When the twist occurs, it's so close to the end of the movie that they just, there's nothing much more to work with there in regards to the runtime. So by the time the twist occurs, there's really no time for you to ruminate on it before the movie's over. And then there's, there's like another thing that happens after that, that's even more kind of out there. And, yeah. and I thought that that was kind of interesting too, where they went after the initial twist. But again, that's, that wasn't something that they really, Spend no. spend a lot of time yeah. on either.
1: No, because essentially you have this movie broken into, let's say, like, you know, these numbers aren't scientific or anything, but let's say it's like a eighty twenty split. There's the eighty percent of this movie is what it is is them, you know, these women in this school, whatever, and then there's the it's like ten percent of the first twist, and then another 10% of the thing that happens after that that which you said is it's kind of interesting but it's just like the 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 balancing of this is just really off because that 80% that you spend is just you know what's happening they pretty much set it out that you know these these young women are being molded into you know someone else's image you know what they would like them to be and we do that for 80% of the movie. And then you have these two other things that are interesting where these just, is just kind of introduced and then left behind and we're done. Yeah. I think,
0: I think it, it would have been more effective and I hate doing this, like, giving recommendations about what a movie should have been, but I wouldn't do it anyway. The, I think it would have been better if they would like, drip-feed us more hints about what's happening, what's really going on on this island and give us just a little bit like just smaller just small breadcrumbs sprinkled in throughout, you know, that initial 80% that you mentioned. Yeah. That way um, that way by the time the the twist did occur, we would we would already be prepared for it, we would already know some of the backstory and it wouldn't feel as rushed.
1: Might work, might not work. Who knows? We'll never know. But again, I like for me, the filmmaking aspects of this coupled with what I saw in Disco Inferno, I'm still very excited to see what she does in the future. It's just the the script for this movie is eh it was, it was
0: okay. I'm a hundred percent on board with you there. I'm, I'm still gonna seek out her next project. And I think there certainly is enough here for me to maybe even, I would, I would even say I give it a light recommend just, just for the, Grama. just for the visuals
1: alone, because it's. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, just in the sense that, I mean, how many movies have we seen that are this dystopian future? where they're all kind of the production design is all kind of the same. It's all sterile. It's all clinical. You know, it's just clean white rooms or it's just like an absolute hellscape. You know, like this is this is something bigger. It's something more grandiose. It actually has color. Thank God. Just some fucking color. <laughs> it's yeah. nice to see. <laughs>
0: And I just wanted a little bit more with these characters too, because I liked all the characters and I just wanted to spend some yeah. more time getting to know them. So. Yeah. And
1: I mean, I definitely love the, like we've already said, the world building. I I enjoy spending my time here, so let's develop it a little bit more.
0: Should be noted that there are three writing credits on this. Brian Deleu, Nacho Vigalando and Allison or and Alice waddington is credited with the screen story I'm not sure what that means
1: well it, it, from what I gathered from the the credits it is like her and I can't remember the other woman's name for some reason she's not on the IMDB credits but she's in the credits of the movie they came up with the original story and then Brian and Nacho did the wrote the screenplay got it which seems odd. It just seems kinda odd. It's very it's a very woman centered film to have two guys be the ones that write the screenplay. I don't know if that's a funding thing, but it just seems a bit off.
0: I'm not sure if that plays air. A, I
1: play, don't know if it does a role other, in it's or... just on paper on on paper it seems odd. You know what I mean? It just seems weird.
0: All right, so you gave this a six and a half in your review, uh, which again again is up on the site right now. You can give that a read. I'm going to sit around a six on this one.
1: All right, there you go.
0: That's Paradise Hills. That's in limited release right now, and that will be on VOD this week on Friday. All right, let's move on and talk about Dolomite Is My Name. This is directed by Craig Brewer. I have a synopsis here. Eddie Murphy portrays real-life legend Rudy Ray Moore, a comedy and rap pioneer who proved naysayers wrong when his hilarious, obscene kung fu fighting alter ego Dolomite became a 1970s black exploitation phenomenon. Kevin, we'll start with you. What did you think of Dolomite is My Name?
1: I loved it. It's a lot of fucking fun. <laughs>
0: it's
1: a lot of fun.
0: Fucking it.
1: Me. It's kind of
0: fun. I loved it too. This is on Netflix, by the way. This is a Netflix film. I gotta say, so Dolomite is maybe my favorite black exploitation film of all time. I I'm a pretty big fan of black exploitation film, and when I first saw Dolomite, which was not too long ago, I actually wrote wrote an article back when I was doing Grindhouse Weekly. I wrote about Dolomite. This was ages ago, but. Uh, I, I loved it back then. I watching this movie sort of reinvigorated my love for Dolomite. And I think that this, this movie is the right way to do a biopic because it doesn't feel like it's your, I mean, it is a biopic, but it doesn't feel like you're kind of standard boring no pink by numbers biopic
1: and it's pretty great how they do this because it's at once a biopic of rudy ray moore because you have him before he even has you know created the dolomite character right so you have a little bit of it being just his life then you have the creation of the dolomite character and then you have them making the movie dolomite which actually doesn't happen until you know almost halfway through the movie.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's a little bit of a biopic of kind of all of this, you know, Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite, the character kind of like half and half of that. And it's pretty fantastic the way they do it because it doesn't feel like a standard biopic where it's, you know, this kind of like bullet point, like, Oh, we got to get all the major, you know, timeline events happening, line them up. It just, it, 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 It feels very organic in the way that it, you know, kind of progresses through him struggling, him creating a new character, him finding success with that character, and then him deciding to, you know, turn it into a movie. Mm -hmm. And
0: And it also doesn't have that kind of artificial, like forced melodrama that a lot of biopics tend to have. There's certainly conflict in this, but it's all kept very tongue in cheek. It's kept very light. And it's, it's a very funny movie, like really yeah. funny, surprisingly funny. And I think that that's largely due to the cast, which, holy crap, what a cast in this. Let me just give you the rundown here. Obviously, we have Eddie Murphy. We have Keegan-Michael Key, Mike Epps, Craig Robinson, Titus Burgess, uh, Devine Joy, Randolph, Cody Smith-McPhee, Snoop Dogg, T.I., is in there which which uh, i was I, hilarious i didn't know
1: that i didn't know that until just now who did he play? how did i don't really miss t i completely he was hey, i don't know who t i was
0: he was like the he was the one was it a record producer no i can't remember if he was one of the the film producers or one of the record uh, he was i'm pretty sure one of the record producers he had like a beard. It didn't, it barely looked like him at all. I was like, oh my God, that's okay. T.I. Good. Good. Because uh, I, I was
1: like, how do I not know that T.I. was in this movie?
0: Yeah. And then you have Wesley okay. Snipes in there as Durville, who was the. Yeah, he's so great. He was the director of, of the film, Dolomite. And oh my God, Wesley Snipes. He brought it in this. He was so good. Oh man. Just great performances across the board. I I like what Mike Epps is doing right now. Like Mike Epps, I feel like he's having a little bit of a renaissance with the movies that he's working on. Like he was he was in the last black man in San Francisco and he was great in that. He was an uncle Drew and he was great in that. He's just been really killing it with uh, his roles that he's choosing lately. And of course, I feel like this is a big comeback for Eddie Murphy. Who's been out of the game a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the perfect role for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know Eddie. I don't know all about Eddie Murphy's inspirations, but you can kind of see like there, there's certain parallels between Rudy Ray Moore his, his career and, and Eddie Murphy's career,
1: certainly. I'm sure he did. It's just, and like you said, there's not this, there's not a, a forced melodrama in there, but I will say that it effortlessly has a, like a great amount of heart in this, where it doesn't come off as like forced or inauthentic or, you know, where it's just kind of, I don't know what the word's, with the word I'm trying to think of for it, but it just it feels like it, it's there and Jesus Christ, I can't think of words.
0: Well, it's it's well, also it's also not mean spirited either. It's done in such a way that that I think honors the work of Rudy Ray more without necessarily making fun of him. I I feel like it would be easy to sort of make fun of Dolomite the movie because it's not a very good movie, but I feel like it, it almost feels similar to Ed Wood in, in some respect. This is like the black exploitation version of Ed Wood mm-hmm. where it was tr- like truly a, a, a biopic that was made with, with, uh, with love and I think that that comes through on the screen. And I think because of that, there was this, this, this care given to the story. And and I think that that that's sort of what another thing that sets it apart from a lot of these kind of standard cookie cutter biopics.
1: And I mean, just the the whole attitude of Rudy Ray more of him wanting to do this, to make this movie. I just there's a lot of great scenes. I think one of my favorite is when you know Derville shows up on their their studios, and he's kind of surveying everything. He's just like, Jesus Christ, this is ridiculous. And Rudy Ray Moore, you know, Eddie Murphy just goes off on him about ego and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it, a, it's, it's an it's underdog the story Getting too. together, yeah, the group of misfits just deciding like, you know what, fuck it, let's make our own movie. No one's going to hire us to be in movies. Even if you do have, you know, an immense amount of talent, you know, being African-American, you, you, your your options are limited.
0: Right. I do love that they put in the clips from the actual movie at, at the end, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of people probably haven't seen Dolomite. So including those things, I think, will make people seek out that movie and maybe it will make them seek out some, some of these other seventies black rotation movies.
1: Well, and I also hope that it's, you know, to to look at more Rudy Ray Moore stuff because even as, as great as Dolomite is his um, what he plays Goldie in uh, the monkey hustle. Oh my goodness. It's just so outlandish. I mean, you should <laughs> see his outfits in that movie. It's insane. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And it's him and Yafat Koda. Are you kidding me? Like, that's a oh. duo. Oh man, is, is it ever?
0: <laughs> it, it, it's funny because you know this this movie's coming out and it's kind of putting putting black exploitation in the spotlight a little bit and. I, th- there's been, you know, these, these listicles popping up of like top 10 black exploitation movies and the one that I saw somebody tweet, I, I can't even remember what site it was on, but it was like listing all, all the movies that were listed were from like the two thousands and it was like soul plane and stuff like that. And I'm just like, Oh, one of them was Pootie Tang <laughs> I'm just like n- oh no, that does not. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, there's there's so many titles from back in that time. It's just so many, and I hope that because I think we have seen that like in the last couple of years. I think you've seen a number of these getting re released. Oh yeah, like PD Weed Draw*, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, uh, *Arrow* put yeah, out, and,
1: and, and, and who knows how many the hell that came out back then that we don't even know about. Right. You know, if they did yeah. have they never made it this far.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot some of them could even be lost, you know. Lost yeah. lost in time, unfortunately. But there there's a lot of companies like Arrow that's putting out uh, Arrow Vinegar Syndrome. They're they're putting they're re releasing a lot of these. Like Willy Dynamite uh just came out on Arrow a few months ago. And they're so there's there's definitely Still plenty of places that you can see a lot of these uh films. And I'm hoping that we'll see, we'll start to see more of these get restored and, and released because I think that it is an important uh, era of cinema. So yeah, uh, definitely check out Dolomite is my name. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Um, I didn't really think about this. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm at like an eight.
1: On this. I'm right there with you. And I did learn something from this movie, which I didn't realize that the director of photography for Dolomite is the son of Joseph von Sternberg. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just insane to me. Huh. Just insane.
0: I didn't know that either. How about
1: that? I uh, love it.
0: Oh, the the so Craig Brewer who directed Dolomite is my name is he's doing Coming to America, the new Coming to America. Okay. Uh, that could be That could be interesting cuz that has Eddie Murphy, James Earl Jones and Wesley Snipes, Leslie Jones, Hi. Arsenio Hall. I'm Louis. worried Tracy Morgan.
1: I'm excited, but I'm also worried. Yeah. I mean, I love I th- that movie. so do I. And I don't think we need another one.
0: <laughs> I don't think so, so either. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we need another one either. So,
1: but I'm glad to watch it.
0: Yeah. He also did black snake moan and hustle and flow black snake moan, man. I forgot about that movie. That was, that was new-
1: the movie at one point in time. It was, was an <laughs> interesting,
0: <laughs> Interesting movie. Uh, All all right. That is Dolomite Is My Name. Check it out on Netflix. It's well worth your time.
1: Sorry. I I didn't realize. The movie he did after that is the Footloose remake. Yeah. 2011.
0: I purposely didn't mention that. (laughs) All right
1: there. That's interesting.
0: All right. Let's talk about Someone will be watching on the watch list. Uh, I have a ton of stuff, so maybe I should kick it off. Cool
1: point. Yeah. Do it. I, saw Green, it
0: I saw Greener Grass. This is directed by Jocelyn uh, DeBoer and Dawn Luibi. Uh Apologies if I'm mispronouncing those names. I probably am. This is a very strange comedy that takes place in this kind of modern suburbia it's like a suburban nightmare scenario where all of the adult characters have braces and they don't drive cars they drive around in golf carts and it focuses on these two two friends played by the the directors and their seemingly perfect lives are sort of crumbling around them and it is so absurd and bizarre and incredible. I think a lot of people won't like it just because of how strange it is, but it was right up my alley. I I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. It's you should probably give it a look.
1: Yes, I'm, I I I want to see this very badly.
0: It is on VOD right now, so you can. Uh, oh boy yeah you can you can see it on vod uh it has like beck bennett is in it he plays one of the husbands and he gets this new pool cleaner for their pool that uses like oxygenized water or something and instead of chlorine so the water is so clean you can drink it and he so like through the whole movie he's just drinking pool water and he's making ice pops out of the pool water (laughs) He becomes just obsessed with pool water, and one scene they get into an argument, and she tells him to just go drink some pool water. And then the next scene they just show him in the pool, like with his mouth open, just <laughs> drinking the water. It's and um, then the
1: yeah.
0: and then their son turns into a dog.
1: Oh, hold up, what?
0: Yeah, at one point what? their so their son has been peeing like, everywhere. Like he's been peeing all over the place and they don't know what's wrong with him. And then all of a sudden he turns into a dog. He turns into a golden retriever. Interesting. And they, they still take him to school. He's still on the soccer team and they dress him in human clothes, but he's a dog. So it kind of becomes air, Bud. they recognize him as a dog, but actually yeah, they take him to soccer practice but they have to kick him off the team because he's a dog. So they he he does he does unfortunately get booted from the soccer team. Just there's a lot of other things like that that happen in the movie, but the thing that I liked about it was that it was all there was all a reason behind it. It wasn't weird just for the sake of being weird. There was Everything represented something and I really appreciated that about it. A lot of times when you see some of these absurdist comedies, you're just like, that doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It was just in there because it was weird. And I think sometimes that's okay too. But I think when it, anytime you show something just really out there and, but it clearly has a distinct meaning behind it. I think that that makes it more effective. So greener grass. Highly recommend, especially if you're into like these really weird, like late night adult swim things, sort of like, it's almost like an anti-comedy style of film.
1: Well, I'm in it. Want it. I'm gonna check it out. Uh, I watched, this is interesting. All right, so I watched this movie called The Open House on Netflix. It's a horror movie. I don't know if you remember this, Adam.
0: That sounds familiar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I hated it. It's just, <laughs> the Interesting thing is, we just we just picked one at random, right? Threw it on, and then within the, you know like the opening credits or whatever, life looks up, and she's like, "Oh wow, the the reviews for this are absolutely terrible." So of course I got to check out. Every single one is like one star, half star, one and a half star, pretty much across the board, right? So I'm going through reviews from friends just seeing everyone give it a one star one and a half star I get to the very very last one and that's Adam Patterson and it's a ha- half star and it just says what <laughs> that's it that's all your review says it just says what <laughs> so I'm, I'm seriously like three minutes into this movie and I'm just like oh yeah this is gonna be fucking great I can't wait to see what the fuck is going on in this movie so this is kind of kind of bizarre in that there's not a really interesting thing <laughs> the way their their the kid's father dies at the beginning and then like they can't handle it so they go to live in this like their, her sister's cabin in the woods or something that they're trying to sell they have to leave you know every Sunday or whatever for the open house that's it it's the only thing they have to do and I love that the kid like after the first open house points out that open houses are kind of weird You just let a bunch of people in here no one checks anything and you just leave kind of weird. You're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Stuff is going to happen. Right. But it's all kind of, you know, small scale, spooky stuff, you know, creaking doors, hot water heater going off, you know, that kind of stuff where you're like, okay, what's, what's happening here? Is someone in the house or is it just an old house? Like what, what's going on? Well, the interesting thing is, is that pretty much everything that you see, is a red herring, and doesn't really mean anything, except for a couple of small bits here and there. And this has a very odd ending to it, but I also found the ending to be extremely fucking bleak. It's just a, a very, very bleak horror film. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it's just done. It's just, but but there is a funny thing that one of the characters does have their contacts forcibly removed. Yeah. Which just seems very, (laughs) seems very strange.
0: I remember that
1: scene. And And it seems like they were really, they were really excited about having this because up until that point, there's numerous times throughout the movie where they make it a point of him being like, Oh, he's wearing his glasses. Oh, now he's got his contacts back in. Oh, he's, God, he's got the glasses on. Ooh, the con he's putting his contacts in. <laughs> so I don't know. It just seems very odd. To, to, it kinda of felt like for them that was like a centerpiece of the movie. It's just, just a really odd thing to have it to kinda of be like a highlight of your movie. Because they have, you know, cameras straight on his face while person's just like, you know what? Before I do the thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take your contacts out. And then he goes goes ahead and they show the whole thing. And just taking those contacts out. It's just just so strange to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh God.
0: And that's the open house on Netflix. That's a Netflix original, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It shows. It shows. (laughs) It's not a good movie. But at the same time, I'm like I'm not understanding all you guys giving it one star and one and a half star. Like it's not that bad. It's a I, two star. I gave release. it. A, I gave it a half. Yeah. I, I really. Yeah, hate, and I, I don't re- understand what. I think I it was, what you are with is what like I, it's pretty straightforward. Like, why are you confused? Uh,
0: I think um, I don't think I was confused. I think I was
1: the contact thing.
0: No, I think I was angered by the ending. <laughs> I don't even remember what happens at the end, but I remember.
1: Can I? Can I say if if anyone's going to watch the open house, just stop listening for like a couple minutes. Just, right? Because I'm going to spoil it. And this is why I actually kind of like this movie. Because it kind of surprised me. And it's really fucking bleak in that there actually is a guy in the house. And he kills fucking everyone. And that's it. Which I just, like, there's no happy ending. Everyone fucking dies. And then he goes to another open house. And that's the end of the movie. He fucking killed everyone. For no reason. You have no idea why. He just killed them. Yeah, I that's think it. I think maybe that
0: was the problem that I that I had with it. It was that I just didn't see the point of any of it. I didn't that's understand like, why it existed.
1: Like, sometimes a random guy just fucking kills you, and your life's over. That's it.
0: Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's fucking bleak. Uh,
0: I saw Zombieland Double Tap. Uh, it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, it was it? Yeah, I was not hearing good things. It's, it also feels like a movie that we don't
0: need. I don't know if we necessarily need it. I'd say if you liked, if you liked the first zombie land, this is more of the same. Like it's just
1: okay.
0: these four characters who are inherently likable characters. These are good. These are good characters. I like spending time with these characters and you just get to spend more time with them. There were a couple really funny moments. Like there's a, a a sequence when they meet their doppelgangers basically. And uh, Mm -hmm. Thomas Middleditch plays the Jesse Eisenberg doppelganger. And it's just such a perfect, it's such a perfect match. And I I really enjoyed that scene. Luke Wilson plays the Woody Harrelson doppelganger. And so uh, that I really enjoyed. There's a really great like post credits sequence with Bill Murray. And the rest of it is it's fine. Like there's nothing, there's really nothing for me to say about it one way or the other. It's just another zombie land movie that came too late. I think if this sequel happened a year, you know, like three years after the original instead of maybe eight, uh, would have been more successful. Mm-hmm. I also, I also think that that, awful TV show that Amazon tried to make out of this sort of oh, what? Yeah. They made, they tried to make a zombie land yeah. TV show. They made a pilot.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah. Like years ago, Amazon did this thing where they produced like five or six pilots and then they had people like vote on them or something. And I don't, I don't remember any other ones and I don't remember if any of them really got any traction, but Zombieland was one of them and it was so horrendous it was the same characters right it was it was the same characters but they recast everyone and that was their big mistake like you can make a Zombieland TV show but don't have it be the same characters because it's it's these specific actors that make the characters
1: yeah exactly
0: so you had like these this these no-name people portraying these characters and it just didn't work and it was horrible and I feel like that hurt the franchise big time. And maybe that's yeah. why maybe that's why the sequel ended up not happening for 8 years. But I I thought it was fun. It was, it's not amazing or anything, but and I, I wouldn't say you have to see it in the theater, but maybe when it comes to VOD or Netflix, you know, give it a look. Yeah. You know, they, they do like a lot of the super slow mo stuff. And there's a lot of really gory, kind of fun moments. And it, it's just more zombie land. It's more of the
1: same. All right. All right. Uh, I watched Two Carpenters, Two John Carpenter movies. So
0: I thought, I thought you saw a, a movie called Two Carpenters. I'm like, yeah, I never heard of that. <laughs>
1: Carpenters, small independent picture. No, you got. uh, I I finally saw the original Halloween from 1978. First time watch. I guess. Oh. Because I started watching it, and like the first, like the the young Michael Myers, that was all familiar. I was like, oh yeah, I know, I've seen this before. And then, like as it progressed, I was like, you know what? I don't remember this. Or this, like I don't know if I've actually seen this movie before. So if I have, it's been fucking ages that I just don't I don't remember it at all, except for the bit. But uh, Halloween is pretty phenomenal. Music's fantastic. The breathing I thought was that guy a little annoying. Always hearing him fucking breathing. <laughs> like how do you know? He's, how do you not know he's there? He's breathing so fucking loud all the time. And then uh, you know, like towards the end when. She finally has to, you know, fight Mike Myers, which he's fucking terrible with a knife. He's just fucking so inept.
0: Right, so he's got and, that mask on, you know, so he doesn't, know. he doesn't really have his peripheral he, vision in that.
1: He's been doing such a great, she's sitting targets, she's just sitting there. I don't know what the fuck his problem is. He was doing so well, so well throughout the night. I mean, he started off, what, three for three? I mm-hmm. mean, four for four if you count the dog. I mean, he's rolling He's in a groove, and then I don't know what the I don't know if he got the yips or what towards the end. But she's just sitting there twice. Once she's just standing in the room. The other time she's just sitting there on the couch, and he just he fucking bungles it because he's just pathetic. He's so fucking awful at what he does. Because not only does he fuck it up, but he gets like she stops him, has the knife, and she's like, you know what? I don't like holding this knife. Got to check on these kids. Let me put the knife beside Michael Myers. Let me put it right beside him. That way I know where it is. I'll go check on the kids. So he comes back with the knife, obviously. And then she does the fucking same thing again.
0: Yeah, but you got to remember, Kevin, awesome. this is before the days of the slasher. You know, there's 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 no no rules here in 1978.
1: There's no, there's no, there's no rules, but at the same time, I think it's just... Put the knife somewhere else. Like, it, it, he can still get it back, but I, you don't have to put it next to him. Like, here's your knife, buddy. Here's your knife in case you wake back up. There it is. But I did like it. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. it. just It is funny to me that, like, watching it and kind of thinking to myself, like, this like this is the thing that became a franchise? Like, this is good as a one and done, it seems like.
0: Yeah, it it definitely it became a hit franchise.
1: Yeah, it's just weird.
0: There's like the, the that we Well,
1: just, well, I think turn that into a thing.
0: Well, I think what happened was the popularity of Halloween caused the the the, bo- the slasher boom and after that yeah. they were like, well, we got to make more of these.
1: Yeah, Penny's <laughs> got back. Yeah. Because I do love how there's just like they don't really explain anything, which I love. It's like the, the doctor just shows up. He's somehow out. No one cares that he got out, which is weird. Like even the people out there are like, oh, whatever, dude. He, he's out. He's gone. Big fucking deal. <laughs> and the doctor's fucking losing it. And for some reason, he's getting blamed. But he had nothing to do with it. And of course, he's like trying to tell everyone like he's just pure fucking evil. He just wants to kill everybody, and you're just like, what? Why though? So bizarre. I just love it. I just love the fact that they're just like, you know what? Let's not really explain anything. It's just this dude. He's evil, and he's back, and for some reason, he just wants to kill everybody. Why not?
0: That's one thing I liked about the the new one because they did away with all of the the lore and all the backstory and stuff that they. We're basically forced to develop over the many sequels that this had.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, no one cares. No one cares that this guy got out. I mean, for some reason, everyone's, you know, his doctor's been saying that he's pure evil. He just wants to kill. And no one cares. It's just like, whatever, dude, shut up. Like, <laughs> why the fuck did you let him out? And he's like, I, I didn't. I wasn't even here. What the hell? But the other one that I threw, this too much time on Halloween. The other one I saw was in the Mouth of Madness, which is a much, much better movie. 1994, John Carpenter. This movie is just fucking insane, and uh, I love it.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's probably one of the best Lovecraftian films ever made.
1: It's, it's so ridiculous, and it's just incredible. Like I did, I don't know. I had no idea where it was going. I was just, I was baffled, baffled and befuddled but in a good way at every turn, it just kept, you know, just kept getting better.
0: This is, this is and one it, of these movies that I can just wa- rewatch over and over again. It's just, it's, I love it.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just what it's wild to me that like, this isn't the John Carpenter movie. Like when you talk about John Carpenter movies, this really doesn't seem to come up as much now obviously the other ones are pretty fucking big. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of makes sense. But yeah. <laughs> it's like maybe just as fucking good.
0: I love Carpenter movies. I think even, even John Carpenter's like lesser films all have just something special about them. Yeah. I, I just, I think he, I wish he would just make more movies. I just want him to make, so many more movies
1: he yeah he's he's making music playing video games That's yeah he i was just
0: going to say yeah, i know he's busy I, doing music and video games but
1: i you know i would probably do the same thing yeah i mean i made, a, I, made I made a bunch of fucking great movies you know what i'm just going to spend my time playing video games why not I, I
0: i think he's the type of dude where if the right project comes across his desk too that he would be willing to, to do it I just think At this point He can just be picky You know
1: Yeah He's got games to play too He's got stuff to do I, I, The games keep coming out The
0: game The games keep coming out I love that he's a gamer I think it's the, One of the best Pieces of trivia about John Carpenter And he like tweets about yeah. Video games and stuff too He's Yeah like
1: no, He's like a He's He's in the games He's like legit I love it I
0: love it. Uh, I saw Girl on the Third Floor. This is directed by Travis Stevens, who, for long-time listeners of the show, he was he was on the show a while back, I think. It was around South by Southwest. One year, he was uh, pushing the movie Starry Eyes, which he produced. Great movie, by the way. This is his directorial debut. He He's produced a lot of really great movies, uh, and... This, this time he's, he's actually directing, this is a haunted house movie, which I love haunted house movies. And it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting, I wouldn't say it's an interesting twist on the haunted house movie, but it's just a really solid backbone of a, a haunted house movie. You, it stars CM Punk, the WWE wrestler. I don't know if he's still wrestling or not. I don't, I'm not. I don't follow wrestling too much, but so you have CM Punk as this guy who moves into this, this old house in this small town and he's going to fix up the house and he's going to start a new life with his wife who is pregnant and he gets there early to start work on rehabilitating this house. And it starts out as like, the money pit basically where he's just trying to do these projects and everything is going wrong. Like he tries to fix this plumbing issue in the kitchen and like breaks open a pipe and all this like black shit sprays all over him. It's like slime. And there's this like very, uh semen like substance that it, it just looks like jizz that's coming out of basically every orifice of this house, like all the outlets and stuff, any, anything that has a hole in the house, you see this like white gross stuff oh. oozing out of, and things start to get weird. There's this young woman who starts showing up on the property and she, she seduces him and he like a idiot sleeps with her. And then she, it keeps coming around over and over again and it sort of escalates from there. I'm not going to give too much away, but things are not going out right in this house. And I think that it was a good debut. All of the effects are practical to my knowledge. So there's lots of blood and guts and ooze and a lot of really good makeup effects being used. It's a pretty gross movie. Uh, almost has an evil dead, one or two vibe to it, and I appreciated that. Uh the performances are sort of middle of the road. Not great. Some of the dialogue is a little bit cringy, but it's sort of passable, I would say. Overall, it's on VOD, and I'd say that it is worth a, a rental on VOD. That's girl on the third floor. There's some creepy yeah. stuff in this too, by the way. Oh, one 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 other highlight that I'll mention is the camera work is really good. The cinematography is pretty excellent in this.
1: Okay. Very, right. very creepy. I watched a, another Netflix original horror movie. That's Eli.
0: Now, I was interested in this. We got a bunch of emails about this, and I... I thought it looked okay, but I didn't, I didn't jump into it yet. I, I still, well, maybe we'll see what you, you have to say here. And it'll determine if I'm going to yeah. watch this today or not.
1: Yeah. I'm going to, it a short answer, do so. Watch it. It's surprising. I got to say, it surprised me. It's got a twist that I didn't really see coming. And once that twist happens, all hell breaks loose. And it just gets that shit saying, which is pretty much what I'm looking for, you know, when it comes to, to to horror movies, right? Especially ones like these where it's a very long build up. Uh, so what it concerns is this boy Eli. He has a rare audio autoimmune disorder, right? He's a bubble boy. He's allergic to everything on the outside. Okay, so, so right parents, right
0: there, we know that you're into it because you love Bubble Boy. Movies. I'd like,
1: anytime, anything with, you know, kids in bubbles, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, immediately your first thought is, well, what's going on there? True. Yeah. There's curiosity right off the bat, okay? So these parents, they're frustrated. They want to help this kid. So they go to this, like, ridiculous facility, this medical facility, this doctor that does this aggressive uh, experimental like genetic mutation type therapy thing, right? And she says, you know, I can save. Them. I saved everybody. It just cost you a shit ton of money. You got to come out to this, you know, we retrofitted a clean house. So he gets there and he's going through the treatments. Of course, they tell him, you know, treatments are going to be, they're going to wreck havoc on your body. It's going to be rough for you, but you just got to persevere. So he gets there and he starts seeing some stuff. It's kind of this like haunted house type deal, and then it just becomes something completely different, and just catches you. It caught me off guard. I didn't see it coming. I thought it was maybe you know with you and your Paradise Hills thing, you're gonna be you know five minutes into I know what it is. These autoimmune disorder (laughs) horror movies all end the same, (laughs) and you're gonna figure it out. But I mean, it gets uh, it gets pretty ridiculous. And I like movies. I'm, I'm starting to find that I like horror movies that that end badly.
0: Mm. Okay,
1: I don't. I don't hate and them. That the, and that the evil wins, And the evil just goes off to do more, and it's like, okay, I gotcha.
0: And you're saying you're just you're saying specifically when evil wins, proper, not like. Oh, here's a twist at the very end, you know. Michael Myers is still alive, or whatever, right?
1: Yes. no. When it went, when it it, it you know it wins outright and fairly. It just it, you couldn't conquer it. It's evil. Isn't fucking movies?
0: I like those sometimes too. There was a Hulu Into the Dark that I watched recently. That that happens.
1: Yeah, if you had that in the original Halloween, it would be like, stop giving the knife back to this motherfucker because he's going to stab you in the face. And the second time, maybe even the first time, he would have stabbed her right in the face. He would have died. Who knows what happened to the kids? And then he just left. You know, that's the end of the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but that's Eli. That's on Netflix. The last one I'll mention is a horror movie that is... Uh, like you said, it is a one that doesn't have a happy ending. That's called Portals. This is a anthology horror title that's in the same vein as all horror anthologies, really. But it's it's from the same team that brought us the VHS movies and Southbound. Uh, okay. uh Bloody Disgusting has produced it. So this is uh directed by you have segments directed by Greg Hale, Liam O'Donnell, Eduardo Sanchez and uh Timo Jahanto. Oh, and God. you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Timo's work. Eduardo Sanchez, you know, he did Blair Witch. So, you know, you got some you got some heavy hitters behind this, but man, was this a disappointment. Holy crap. This might have been one of the worst of these uh, horror anthologies that I've seen in quite a while. It's, it's terrible. It's really bad. It's more of a sci-fi horror uh, story. Basically it's about these scientists who are up in this space station and they create a man-made black hole. And when they make this man-made black hole, it causes a, a global blackout all the power goes Mm -hmm. out across the entire world. And after the power comes back on these rectangular portals start showing up millions of these rectangular portals show up all over the, all over the world. And the anthology part of it is you have segments about specific interactions with this portal. So for instance, the Timo one is about these two sisters in Jakarta who are, in a parking garage and one of the portals shows up in the parking garage and they sort of like hypnotize you and, and kind of beckon you to go into the portal. It's never explicitly said or explained what the portals are, what they want, who they choose to like hypnotize because some people don't get hypnotized by them. it's the, the rules are never clearly defined they they just these black portals that show up. Some people go in them, some people don't. It's not very interesting. The Timo 1 was probably the the best one, I guess, but even that one was not great. The best part about that is the fact that it was um all just a single take shot. It was it was one one continuous uh take. Mm. And so the, the You know, it was fine, I guess, but overall it is pretty, pretty boring, like very dull. And these portals are, are pretty lame actually. Just uh, black rectangles. Some people go in them. Some people don't. And also the weird thing about this is the, the structure. So, you know, you normally with, with a movie, with an anthology film, you have a wraparound that occurs in the beginning and in the end, and then sometimes in the middle, right? In this, you have two wraparounds. So you have one wraparound that starts, which is like this mockumentary thing that's just terrible. It's just awful. Then you have a uh, second wraparound that occurs, and then you go into the first segment. Then you go back to wraparound two. Then you go into the second segment. Then you finish the second wraparound, then the credits happen. Then it does the first wraparound and finishes that. Then more credits happen. It's, 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 it doesn't, it's so it's structured in such a weird way and it's not good. Like that doesn't work because any momentum that it starts to pick up, it just breaks it once. And, and because there's only like two proper segments, they don't dive into what this is, like, at, at all. So you're just like, yeah. uh, everything I told you is exactly what it is. Oh, it's portals that show up. Sometimes people walk into them. Sometimes they get, like, bounced off of them. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I
1: don't know why, but it sounds hilarious. It's yeah. I, 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 I can't recommend I, I wish that i would i hope that like out of the four the one director you know the guy's like you know what for my short they don't go to a portal <laughs> they just they do a, a normal day of work That's
0: it. i'm not i'm not it's even sure good. like like who who directed what segment because there's really only two segments there's four directors and then i would i would Assume that you had another director that did the second wraparound. And then the first wraparound, I don't know if they got a completely separate director for that, but the first wraparound is so bad. It's just like mockumentary style interviews. Mm. Yeah, whatever. Portals, don't even waste your time, as Ryan would say.
1: Don't Don't either.
0: All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got Motherless Brooklyn, that's the Ed Norton-directed noir. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about this one.
1: No, it does not sound good.
0: Nah, I'm just not so sure. The whole Tourette's thing, I don't know, man. No.
1: Look at that poster. Look at that poster.
0: It's a rough poster.
1: That poster tells you everything you need to know.
0: Yep. We have Terminator Dark Fate.
1: I I, <laughs> which I I didn't know what was happening.
0: I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a look. I have no expectations Terminated, the Terminator franchise has been letting me down since part three, so I have absolutely no expectations for this one. I think it's cool that they got Linda Hamilton to come back and reprise her role. That's that's cool. James Cameron's producing it.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: tim miller directing so yeah and you got mackenzie davis in there as well i like her so it's got it's got a couple things going for it but it's, jury's still out on that one
1: yeah it's still terminator
0: it is but i mean terminator 2 is a classic
1: yeah but when did that happen
0: <laughs> a long time <laughs> ago that. long time ago. All right, we also have The Irishman coming out. This is going to be in theaters, so not on Netflix just yet. It's going to be on what? It's going to be on Netflix November 27th, I believe. Oh. So it's just in theaters. Oh. Uh. we have Harriet. This is the Harriet Tubman biopic. Mhm. We have Adopt a Highway. Starring Ethan Hawke.
1: Uh, is it. Please tell me it's about him adopting a highway and cleaning up a highway. And that's it. Nothing more.
0: I don't think so. It's. He was released. Ow. Says he's been released from prison after serving 21 years for a third strike conviction for possessing an ounce and of marijuana.
1: He finds a baby left in a dumpster. Yeah. Wow. All right, then.
0: And he decides. It's,
1: what? Well, hold on a
0: second. <sighs> oh, it's directed by. Is, yeah, Logan Marshall yeah. Green. <laughs> Written and directed by Logan Marshall Green. All
1: right, then. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Very strange that one.
1: <laughs> I had no idea.
0: Nor did I, till just now. And that's pretty much it for theaters. VOD this week on Tuesday, we have a horror movie called door in the woods. And then on Friday, we have bad land, which is a Western. We have the King on Netflix. That's the one with Timothy Chalamet. We have paradise Hills and that's pretty much it for VOD.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On Blu-ray, we have an American werewolf in London. That's the arrow video edition, the limited edition we should have a review for that up already by the time you're listening to this, but it's a pretty busy week for me uh, with all these podcasts. So it's possible that it could be out later on in the week. Uh, one thing I will say about the American Werewolf in London Blu-ray is that it is absolutely f- packed, jam-packed with bonus content. There's like a feature, oh feature-length feature documentary in there, new interviews with John Landis You got commentaries out the wazoo I believe it's a new restoration too. So it looks gorgeous. Gorgeous. All right. Arrow is also putting out the ring collection. This is a box set of ring zero ring ring two and spiral. This should, I should also have a review for this coming out. This is a, this was a big one. This was a big undertaking because it's, four movies and there are again are just gobs of special features on this it's just loaded it's a three disc it's a three discer oh boy yeah if you're a fan oh of, if you're a fan of the original ring movies this is absolutely a must buy we have the blob from 1988 Co- purely coincidentally i just watched this for the first time last week I didn't even know this oh, yeah? was coming out. Yeah, and I just watched it for the first time. It's it's so good. I loved it. Really? Yeah. It's awesome. We have Two Evil Eyes from 1990. This looks awesome, too. This is a Blue Underground one. I never heard of this, but it looks pretty incredible. There's an Amityville collection coming out. Vinegar Syndrome is putting this out. Uh, and I saw some some pictures of what this box that looks like. And it is, it's looks really nice. It's got four of the Amityville movies, Amityville, the evil escapes Amityville. It's about time Amityville, A new generation and Amityville dollhouse. So it's the sequels starting in okay. 1989, the devil rides out from 1968 We got Mr. Nice Guy starring Jackie Chan from 1997, Berserker from 1987, Beyond the Door 3 from 1989, Man of a Thousand Faces from 1957, that is also an Arrow release, that's Arrow Academy, I believe. They're also putting out the Ring movies individually, at least the first one, they're putting it out on its own release, so if you don't want all of them, if you don't want the To pay for the the box set, you could just get the first ring from 1998. Looks like there's a John Wick collection that's coming out. This is the first three John Wick movies. There's a new National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Blu-ray coming out, which I feel like every year they release a new version of that.
1: It does seem that way.
0: Bloody New Year from 1987 is coming out. I think that's on Vinegar Syndrome. Jay Myself the documentary from earlier this year, The Rise of Jordan Peterson, also a documentary. That's pretty much it. What do we got on Criterion?
1: We have two. We have two. Yeah. First one, unfortunately for them, is John Sayles' uh, Madeline from 1987. Uh, that's got Bonnie Prince Billy, Chris Cooper, David Strathairn, James Earl Jones, Mary McDonald. You got two new documentaries on the making of the film. And all those people and the director, new interview with the composer, short documentary, you know, all sorts of stuff. But the problem for Matawan is that it's coming out at the same time as the Godzilla box set, <laughs> which seems kind of dis- disrespectful. Yeah. I, I, I feel like if you're a criterion, the Godzilla thing would be its own, you know, you would dedicate just the Godzilla box set. Right, for a release date.
0: Yep, you'd think so.
1: <laughs> you would think so. This is the Showa era films from 1954 to 1975. Uh, I mean, if you don't know about the Godzilla box set yet, uh, look it up because uh, it's it's pretty incredible looking.
0: Yeah. So I it's... mean,
1: just the amount of detail that went into it. Just I mean, the design of this thing. It's cr- is just so damn impressive.
0: It's their 1,000th release, right? Criterions? Yeah. Yep. 15 movies, 17 cuts, totaling 1,295 then- minutes.
1: Yeah. And then they got artists <laughs> oh. that do each, you know, each title. Mm-hmm. You, have a, you have its own little cover there done by an artist. I mean, it's ridiculous. It, Sorry, yeah. don't <laughs> it's
0: an it's insane i do plan on getting I mean, this I,
1: so. i'm not even a big godzilla guy right but just like when this was announced and i saw it i'm just like well i guess i'll have to become a godzilla guy like i just feel like i have to
0: See, this is why I'm excited for this box set because I've seen Godzilla movies here and there over the course of my time on this earth. And like most of the old ones, the the Showa era entries, I either didn't see them at all or I don't really remember them or maybe I caught like part of some of them on sci-fi or something. So I'm really looking forward to just seeing all of these for the first time. And yeah, even, the yeah, I mean, that, sure. even the ones that even the ones I did see, I feel like it's going to be like, feel the same way that I'm seeing them for the first time.
1: Oh, yeah. No, you, you take a month off. <laughs> sit down with this guy. Take a month off, you know? Quit your, quit your job. Quit your job. I forgot. I forgot I wanted to look. What is the price on this thing?
0: Uh, so it's retailing... It's retailing for two twenty five, but Amazon has it twenty seven percent off right now, so it's one sixty five on Amazon.
1: Okay, one sixty five on Amazon. I'm looking here on Criterion's website; they have it at one seventy nine ninety six. Okay. So if you don't want to go the Amazon route, one seventy nine ninety six is not bad for what you're getting here
0: the man it comes with this like the. did you see the way that so like the box set it's like a book it's like a big it's Mm -hmm. not it's not like a normal blu-ray case size it's like a big coffee table book and all all the discs are like bright colors it just looks so good i mean Mm -hmm. this is like a showpiece yeah yeah i think oh yeah i'm gonna have to pre-order this are you doing it right now? I'm, I'm at I want to hear clacking. I'm I want to hear keys clacking. I'm at the page right now. Bye now. I'll do it after the show.
1: Yeah.
0: No. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics, to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have minutes consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice for kevin Rakestraw my name's adam patterson we'll see you next week